Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swerf Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis, and a happy weekend to you. I hope everyone's enjoyed the past two previous bonus podcasts that didn't have intros and outros, but we're back here to do some intros. How the devil are you? I'm good. The reason we don't is because that means we have to do, like, four extra bits around the episodes a day. Mm -hmm. And, like, we just... I mean, we've got loads of stuff to talk about, but it's a bit... I don't know, it's a bit much, isn't it's it? It's a bit much. It's a bit, it's a bit also, like, I mean, I could have talked about, I went to go see Jurassic World last night, which I, I don't Oh, mention. two? Yes. yes. Do, sorry, um, you mean Jurassic Park 5? <laughs> Me and my wife were joking about that. Do you remember that quote from, was it the director, or was it uh, Colin Trevorrow? When he Colin Trevorrow. When he was talking about Jurassic World 2, he was like, it, it is... It's a sequel to Jurassic World, but somehow it's also a sequel to the three people. I was like, yeah, mate, that's how sequels work. Yeah, in canon sequels. <laughs> that's how it's, it's you're not telling, a reboot. You're telling the same story. Of course it's a sequel. Well, I, I can see where he was coming from because maybe people were confused that it was a complete reboot. Because Jurassic World is like a, it's a new franchise within a franchise. Yeah, yeah. So like if they were starting from scratch. Hmm. Uh, but he, yeah, I mean, it just isn't the best choice. He probably had a lot of stuff to say, and he was just bored. Yeah, and he it, said stuff. But the, the film's fine. Um, uh, solid three out of five. That's more than what other people have given it. I thought the stuff on the island was a lot of fun. Um, everything after that I can kind of take or leave. And I think I'm a, I'm a bit past like the genetic. We've created a new dinosaur, and it's super duper dangerous. And I'm like, yeah, I saw that in the last film, though, mate. I have a theory that I was thinking about. So Jurassic World. One, Jurassic Park 4, you might know it as, in European releases. <clears throat> they make the super, what, Indominus the, Rex. The Indominus Rex. Yeah, and that is because people are... The, the, the people who want their entertainment, they want it bigger, they want it grander. It's a comment on the Hollywood studio system. I've made this exact... I wrote this article! Yes, carry on. It's, you know, not very effectively done, but the, it's there. That's the backbone of of the story and it, that's that's a good idea it's a good premise however that's not what the film ends with it ends in actually it's not the entertainment folks who did this it's the secret military organization and i thought because i was thinking about this after i read a review for jurassic park 5 and i thought isn't that weird how mostly when this stuff happens 
it ends up not being the entertainment industry's fault and it's the military's. See, I, I think that it is still like I know that Henry Wu is like sort of the guy behind it, but I still think like because the, the park owner wanted it as well. He was the one that demanded it like in the film. It was the it's the Jurassic World park owner who said, I want this new dinosaur. And Henry Wu then said, this is what you are. This is what you wanted. And then Henry Wu then sold it across to the military for money. So it is still OK. The, it is still Jurassic World that wanted it. OK. And I do think it because the my takeaway from the whole thing is that the Indominus Rex is this sort of metaphor for Hollywood reboots. And it has to be bigger and it has to be grander. But the two dinosaurs that stand, spoilers for Jurassic World, the two dinosaurs that stand tall at the end are the T-Rex and the Velociraptor. And it's almost like they're going like, yep, remakes are cool, but you can't beat the original. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, so yeah, that kind of shoots a hole in my theory. Yes. But I just thought... But if, it, in the new one, it is very much just, it's all the military now. Yeah, so it's kind of, if any place would would sort of be that self, not self-conscious, but like, self-absorbed mm. where they wouldn't even critique their themselves properly yeah I, I i would think it would be hollywood oh 100 mm. yeah they're, they're never at fault but the film is it's fine i i, I quite enjoyed it but I, I had a i had a realization while i was watching it i'm not that invested in owen grady as a character that's chris pratt's character I'm not that invested in him i don't really buy into it and i thought i was like i know how what would have made this character much more interesting if this was the grown-up version of Tim from Jurassic Park. Mm. Because then it gives him like a character backstory. He was there and the, during the first park site in 1993. It would then lead more when they actually find the original park site, like the original visitor oh, center. Oh, yeah. And, then... and he's sort of walking through it. He can have like uh... more like a, oh, man, I remember all of this. And that leads like as a character beat for him. That is so much better. That's a much more interesting concept. And I just never brought, bought into Chris Pratt really being that bonded to velociraptors no yeah but tim um, you almost would be because he had that whole um scene in the um uh the kitchen yeah but he, that would make him petrified surely but or make him grow up and be like i want to learn more about these and why they act the way that they do well i think the film would be a lot more interesting if what you said grown-up tim and he walks in and he's like this is a bad idea and he's always saying this is a bad idea mm. and then it goes wrong isn't that what happened in the first movie with Goldblum? Yeah, Ian, like, this, Ian is a Mal- go- this is a good bad idea. Ian Malcolm is the character that's just like, this is a terrible idea and it's all going to go wrong. And then it goes wrong and he's like, I mean, I told you. Yeah. I mean, this was I all... I mean, I don't know if I'm <laughs> Goldblum. I watched an episode of Kimmy Schmidt and Goldblum turns up. Oh, yeah? As a, as a psychiatrist daytime talk show host. I was listening to an old episode of uh, talk. Well, I was listening to a recent episode of Talking Simpsons, where Goldblum was a voice actor on it, and I'd forgotten I that. Don't remember that. Not playing himself, he plays um, uh, what's his name? What's it? Phil Hartman's. Um, Hello, I'm Troy McClure. He plays Troy McClure's agent. No way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, but Kimmy Schmidt. He's he's just astounding in it. And um, my lady partner was watching it with me. And I was like, what do you think of Jeff Goldblum? And she went, who? I went, that, that guy who's got the really weird line delivery. And, he went, and she went, is it weird? And I went, yeah, honestly, pay attention <laughs> to him. He's not saying any words like they would come out properly. He's just doing his own thing. It's the hardest interview I've ever done. Yeah. Absolutely the hardest. I, I saw an amazing interview with him, though, quite recently for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. By the way, he's only got two scenes, so don't get your hopes up too much. Oh. The film loads. Um, but, and that's not a spoiler either. Um but he's um he's, he was on the, the the junket for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and um I, 
sort of pseudo friend of mine. I've kind of met him in a lot of sort of like journalist circles. A guy called Gav Murphy. He writes pseudo for IGN. friend. Yeah, well, I, I know him through another friend as well. You remember Simon Cullum? Mm. Um, he went to university with, with Gav. So we kind of sort of know each other through like a friend of a friend, kind of interacted with a couple of times. He is a massive Jurassic Park fan. And once on a drunken evening, bought an eBay listing, which was 47 copies of Jurassic Park on VHS. And then convinced his friends to like drive him because he needed to go and collect it as opposed to like it being delivered. But he didn't had an interview with Jeff Goldblum and gave him one of the copies of it on VHS. It's so worth watching just for Goldblum's reaction to being handed a VHS copy of Jurassic Park. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh my God, is but this a VHS? You're not far off, but then the reaction of when Gav tells him, yeah, I bought 47 copies of it on an eBay listing. You did? <laughs> That's insane. You must really like Jurassic Park. Oh, I'm so thankful. What an amazing man this is. You're not too far off, my friend. Do you want some correspondence? Just uh, a little bit, oh. because we are a wrestling show. Yeah, we should uh, probably talk about wrestling. Well, this is a wrestling-based uh, correspondence. You'll be happy to know from Butter Toast. You're going to hear from again later on in the show. Uh, hello, Luke. I hope you uh, hope you're imagined uh, holiday was well. I heard the story about meeting WWE superstars on the Raw review, and I thought I'd share my awkward story of meeting Kane. So I live in the next county over from Hard Knocks, where Ken, aka Glenn Jacobs, is running for mayor. A few months ago my wife and I were attending a University of Tennessee men's basketball home game. When we arrived we waited to get in and began looking for the section our seats were in. As we rounded the corner I saw Jacobs walking towards me surrounded by an entourage of very important looking men wearing suits all chatting and laughing. I stood still a bit star stunned. Once he walked to where he was about to pass me I held out my hand with the biggest dumb smile on my face and the only words I could seem to muster up were your cane. <laughs> he replied, "Yes." He shook my hand and walked on. That is awkward. I, I, yeah, I can. That 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 happens. I yeah. always freak out when I meet famous people. Oh, it, it was. All, I, mean, I froze up when I had to interview John Cena. Like I literally mm. froze up. I didn't. I, I was so terrified to to do that interview. Well, the, I've told you that I, I've actually got a very similar story. When I used to do the red carpet coverage for the Baftas for for our old movie website, Flicker mm. and Myth, and. We were in this little blogger's pen, which was right next to the competition winners who had, you know, won a place to see their favourite stars walk by for a second. It's a similar thing of Formula One, I guess. You just <laughs> sit next to... That's it, you're sober. Yeah. <laughs> and George... There's a huge buzz and everyone's clapping. I'm like, who's, who's coming? It's George freaking Clooney. <gasps> yeah. Former boyfriend of Stacey Keebler, bringing it back to wrestling. The most famous man I've ever been in close proximity to. And he walks down and he's, you know, he's spending a lot of time with the competition winners because they won competitions. They're the biggest fans and he's like shaking all their hands. He gets to us and everyone sticks out their things trying to ask them questions. Somehow I'm in the middle. He comes to me and I just hold out my hand and I went, can I shake your hand? And he went, yeah, of course. And he shook my hand and then he just walked off. <laughs> because he th he was like, he thought we were competition winners, but yeah. <laughs> and I just I just stood there looking at my hand afterwards and everyone was really annoyed that I'd ruined all their questions. Were, were you more, I mean, I'd imagine you were more nervous then, but like, how nervous were you when you were doing the uh, the Batman v Superman ones and you got to speak to, you got to speak to Affleck and uh, Gal Gadot? And... Yeah, but that was different because I was in my bedroom on a live feed. Wearing a Wonder Woman headband, I remember, yeah. if I recall correctly. Oh, God, yeah. 
Correct. It has now come full circle. That was <laughs> that was not even intentional. But should we get on with the, the let's save the rest of the correspondence to the end because we've got a magazine show to do. Well, today we're going to have a look at everyone's favourite Renate. But Renaissance man is that the he keeps reinventing himself. Yes. And uh, I he had a this is Chris Jericho, of course. He's so unique in that he can show up at Raw 25 in WWE and be goofy list Chris Jericho with Elias. And just three weeks prior, he was a completely different person. He was super violent Chris Jericho against Kenny Omega. And then he turned up at the Greatest Royal Rumble. And now, most recently, he won the Intercontinental title last Saturday against Tetsuya Naito in New Japan's Dominion show. And the other side of him, he's also businessman Chris Jericho. Mm operating cruises and whatnot and the podcast he's got a little network a hasn't he fuzzy yeah wow he does have fingers in a lot of pies and well the acting thing didn't really work out for him did it so he's just got to create other pies you to put his leave in. his acting alone <laughs> hey i'm not even a dick i it's, like it, it that one out. cameo that's good <laughs> just like it he tried it it didn't work out so he's like cool that didn't work i'm just gonna try other things instead he's a creative man a cr- oh whoa we we are two minutes in and i've already done that uh it, for podcast listeners, that is Luke whacking his mug of tea against the microphone. So excited to talk about Chris Jericho. So Chris Jericho has said this week on an interview with Inside the Ropes, they've got a bunch of interviews up with him when he came over for their speaking tour. Re- all, all of them are really, really interesting. And in this one clip, he, he, he reveals why he wouldn't go all in and likewise why he turned down New Japan's upcoming show at the Cow Palace, mm. which is like a G1 Climax special, they're calling it. And that's because it's it's two things I got from it. It's because he doesn't want to slap the face of Vince McMahon, who he obviously feels tremendous loyalty to, by, by wrestling for another promotion on Vince's home turf in the United States. And also, did you listen to the bit about how he prices himself? Yes, where he said, like, because he said, I get calls from independent promoters all the time. Like, you know, I'm getting like six calls a day from different promoters, but no one can really, like, afford me. Like, I can't just lower my value. And that was the other thing he said about all in. He said that to do that, he'd have to lower down his value, and it's something not, he's not prepared to do. And I really, really admire that. And, like, a, a man who's just done all the things that we've listed off. That that should come as no surprise, and I don't think anyone's got ill will towards him for not doing all that. As soon as he leaves WWE, I'm going to do every indie show and these because not only does it make sense from a business standpoint for him, it certainly makes sense from a physical standpoint. You know, he's he's in his mid forties, right? Mm-hmm. Why would you want to throw yourself around just for uh, you know 500 people in a a sort of a bingo hall a bingo hall yeah I, I was trying to an armory I was going to say I don't like to use the term a bingo hall because it's seen as like quote unquote derogatory term mm. but actually I quite like it to shows in, in quote unquote bingo halls school halls school like, halls oh, yeah totally yeah stuff that isn't arenas it's a lot more intimate it's like 30 people but like you can understand why Jericho doesn't do that and because if he was to do all those dates in three months time we would when Jericho shows up again we won't be as oh my god Jericho's back that's exactly it like I went to a, a, a wrestling show that was not too far from my hometown of Reading um, and it was in front of about 25 people I, I'd argue and Billy Gunn was on the cards and it was almost like a 
Oh, no. no. Oh, Billy, what happened, mate? So I, I can appreciate where Jericho is coming from there, but, like, when he does... Like, you look at the shows that he's done this year, Raw 25, Greatest Royal Rumble, Wrestle Kingdom 12, and Dominion. It's like, wow, those are four massive shows that you have done there. Like, he's never lowered his value. I would argue, though, that doing All In doesn't lower his value at all. This is this is the part of the argument that yeah. it comes on to. Yes, so, so explain why. Well, it's because it's like, it's a huge cultural event within at least within the wrestling world it's a massive event it's going to be seen like it's going to be watched by a lot of people it's sold out 10,000 seats in less than half an hour as Cody will very proudly tell you and it's the first non-WWE event to sell out that amount of seats since WCW you know it does nearly 20 years ago huge accolade a huge accolade so like being a part of that it's not like it's like pff, it's 150 people in an armory no, it says 10,000 people at one at the biggest independent show of all time. Mm. It's like, I think that's a pretty big show. Mm. Uh, so the, to, to play devil's advocate, you're all in. You're Cody and the Young Bucks, the organisers. They've already sold out. Why would they spend money on Jericho? And I totally get that argument. You shouldn't spend money on Jericho because you, you're already operating on a massive profit. Like, why would you? Now... Now I'm thinking longer term, and it's exactly what we spoke about. If CM Punk was to turn up, which, you know, I feel that's less and less likely the more he says, I hate wrestling. I can't believe you brought it into it as like a possibility the first time around. I know, I just want him back so much. I know you do. You want him back? It, It really is. Like CM Punk will say, I hate wrestling. I hate wrestling. I'm never coming back. And it'll cut like just imagine it cutting to me after reading that transcript. There's a chance. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. Exactly. I don't, and I don't know why. And, like, we're wrestling fans. So many people have said they're done with wrestling. But, I, honestly, after that trial and after the UFC defeat again, seeing him in interviews, I'm just like, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, he probably won't. I'm still not 100% even though he's saying the same well, stuff. I was going to say, it's every chance that Punk could be working all of us. But also, like, do you know what? I just kind of feel bad for Punk mm. because he's, you know, he's had this big old UFC fight. He's had this amazing court trial. All anyone ever talks about is like, oh, when are you wrestling again? Are you coming back? Are you going to come back to wrestling? He's like, mate, I'm, I, I've, how many more times do I have to say I am done with yeah. professional wrestling? He didn't help himself because the day after uh, the trial, he said... Ah, uh, you know, never say never. And um, if if some, he said, no one's ever approached me and said, here is my exact offer. Here's the price. Here's who you'll be wrestling. This, this, this. He says, no one's ever said that. They've always approached him and gone, ah, you know, if you ever feel like doing something again, I'm yeah. here for you. And Punk's get that's not an offer to me. No. Uh, so yeah, if someone did say that, maybe we could have a bit of fun. So he's his own worst enemy there, because of course people like I, you I was up all, I was up all night so excited <laughs> uh, anyway but back to Chris Jericho so like how we said if Punk were to turn up at all in he shouldn't wrestle a match because they've already sold out but it would be great for him to show up and set up a match at all in two mm, yes. in the Chicago crowd as well and I think that's where Jericho could find some value here that's where Jericho shouldn't have his eye on getting paid for all an appearance at all in but he should, for like a share of the gate, or all in too. Mm-hmm. And you see how much of an entrepreneur he is with his crews and everything. 
and how he's got a lot of those guys, the Ring of Honor guys, Cody, Kenny Omega, they're on that cruise. Mm -hmm. So it's not like these guys are chatting. Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho, Don Callis, they, they put together that Wrestle Kingdom 12 match earlier this year. So... That, that you're, you're saying there's a you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah. So I would, I would have Chris Jericho appear and do that crazy violent beatdown of someone at all in one to set up an all in two. And then you've got Punk and Jericho. This is I'm running away <laughs> with my s- fantasy booking here <laughs> to build all in two. And that I keep coming back when I think about this to what Jericho said when it became apparent that he was going to go to New Japan. He said he looked at Mayor, not Mayor, Floyd Mayweather mm-hmm. versus Conor, Conor McGregor, McGregor and that fight that nobody ever thought would happen. And he thought, how can I do that? Yeah. Well, apparently the crew, sorry, to carry on. Oh, and, and then he came up with the idea of Jericho versus Omega that was facilitated through Don Callis. We salute you, Don Callis. And this is a similar level of, oh my God, I didn't expect that. Jericho's there. Yes. And like you said, like him showing up at All In would not devalue him. It would make him even bigger if that's like one of two more appearances he makes this year. Exactly. And something that you said as well, we're talking about um, Cody, like do Cody and the Bucks want to spend the money on bringing Jericho in because they've already sold out? Do they need to bring a Jericho in? Like even as a short term thing, I kind of think you do because the other side of it, it's not just selling out 10,000 seats. You want to try and make this the best show it possibly can be. You want to try and make this an incredibly newsworthy show. Mm. You look at what like Vince did with the first WrestleMania. The first WrestleMania was all about like, look at these people, name after name after name, moment after moment after moment. Because like the more you do it, the more press you get, and the more attention you get to build up anticipation for that next show. Like if they do all in and it's just filled with good matches that I could have seen in Ring of Honor, then like why am I then inv- incentivized? to go to wall in too. So I think you as you know from Cody and the Bucks they've got to try and make this an incredible show. Plus there seems to be a lot of eyes executive eyes on all in because if something sells out in half an hour for 10,000 seats that's going to get up to the guys with the money and Meltzer's alluded to top TV executives keeping a very close eye on what's happening with All In and now a story's come out that Sinclair the owner of Ring of Honor are looking to run Madison Square Garden next year and that is directly off the back of WWE getting that one billion dollar deal with Fox reportedly and the All In sellout yeah so that's why they're thinking so Jericho like so on one side of the scale is the Vince McMahon problem and how he would really burn a bridge with WWE. And I actually think that is enough to stop Jericho doing it. Uh, yeah. But in terms of legacy and just what's the next thing Jericho can do that will top... Because it's very hard to top what he's done in New Japan now. Uh, I'm sure he's capable of it because he's a bloody genius. Is to appear all in and then be a focal point of getting that all-in promotion on TV and then it's a viable wrestling promotion going forward. If those executives are all-in and go, I want to make something of this. Mm, absolutely. It'd be interesting if um, if Sinclair are, you know, if, if it is Sinclair, they're one of these sort of like production companies that are showing an interest in it because Sinclair are, a, you know, a, a massive, massive corporation. Well, sorry, that I don't... 
I've never read that Sinclair oh, have okay. interest in All In. Sorry, it's just, I, I, I was tying stories together. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're running Ring of Honor in Madison Square Garden. Yes, that was my fault. That's all, but by the way, that's a massive thing. Because mm-hmm. apparently from what I've read on that, they're looking to run it like WrestleMania weekends. Like oh, the, the Saturday before WrestleMania because well, it it's, it's in New York. In the Which Barclays all, Center, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, yeah and they're going to be... So NXT's going to be in the Barclays Center and... Uh, ROH will be in uh, Madison Square wow. Garden like on the same night you'll have a lot of international fans there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is very interesting yeah uh, yeah and just for, for stats fans no other wrestling promotion has ever run Madison Square Garden because not since the 1920s because WWE essentially had the monopoly on it mm. the deal they signed was that like that's why WCW could never run Madison Square Gardens because it was WWF's territory and no one else was allowed to mm. run it and that it, and it's because WWE are now running the Barclays Center for their big events not for house shows like the Undertaker's coming back for a house show at Madison Square Gardens because it's, it's Vince's mecca yeah but uh that doesn't stop the garden from being fully you know not jealous, but like feel a bit miffed. Yeah, I would feel a bit miffed is I, if I was in a relationship with WWE. But it's one of these things. Where, like Triple H was saying this on the conference call um, about the NXT show um, about Takeover Chicago, but also about the UK shows they're going to be doing next week. Um, and he was talking about how he has always wanted to do a show at the Royal Albert Hall. Like he worked the the show the last time WWE did it, which he think like I can't remember. He thinks it was in like '96. He's almost certain that he worked it, but he can't quite remember. But he himself has always wanted to run a show at the. Uh, royal albert hall because he loves the venue he said it's one of the i think his words were like it's the sort of venue that when you walk into madison square garden you're like whoa so you get the same feeling when you walk it's, into a, royal it's albert a beautiful hall. place but the problem is it's too small for a wwe show mm. because they're like they would it, it would but for nxt it's the perfect size and like for this uk thing it's the perfect size and it's almost like that what madison square garden has become now like they love running stuff there but they've become almost too big for for msg it's it's a shame well msg's very expensive to run and they would never do a wrestlemania there again it's got a smaller capacity yes so you it's not like you you'll be losing on two fronts there you'll be losing on tickets and you'll be losing on hire uh but it really is a shame because it would be nice to see raw maybe three or four times a year come from a manhattan center come from a more intimate place and you, you can really get the, the feel of an indie show. I know WWE, I mean, that's what NXT is. So I, I, I totally understand the business yes, totally. thing. So we've got uh, some other news. Ronda Rousey leaving WWE. Yeah, clickbait. Um, so this comes from... It's Ric Flair's fault. It's <laughs> Ric Flair. Ric Flair was uh, in an interview with Hulk Hogan and uh, Chris Van Vliet, I believe his name is. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a good interviewer, actually. And in that, uh, Van Vliet was asking uh, Flair about the potential for Charlotte... Oh, sorry, I've got a thing in my eye. Uh, for Rousey, emotional. I am a little bit. It's because they're going to make magic. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, woo. This is going to be, be good. good. Um, so, Not now, Charlotte. Oh, no, Ric Flair said in this interview, he was asked about whether or not Charlotte and Ronda Rousey could headline WrestleMania next year as per the rumour. And Ric Flair was like, hey, if they're going to do it, they need to do it quick because Ronda's only signed a year and then she's out of there because she wants to start a family. So, you know, we, as we said in the WrestleTalk News, if she has only signed a one-year deal, that means that expires at the Royal Rumble because that's when she signed. Mm. So she's done at Royal Rumble. It was even a raw segment where she officially signed the WWE contract. Exactly. It's yeah. legally binding, right? Pretty sure it is. Especially but, if you put someone through a table. Yeah, well that's how you do things in WWE. You have like that's like rather than signatures, you have to put someone through mm. the table onto the contract. That's how it gets signed. Um they look for the dent in the in the contract. And um 
but unless, and as I speculated in the news, unless she signs an extension that takes her through to WrestleMania, or it could be that she is there for a year. They said, we'll sign you for a year and we'll see how it goes. With the look to when we come to the end of the year, we'll renegotiate a new deal, we'll renegotiate a new number, and we'll just do it as a rolling deal. Because Ronda said when she signed, she told ESPN, I'm in this for the long haul. This is my few, This is my life for the next few years now. I'm going to be doing WWE as a full-time thing. And for what Dave Meltzer was writing in the Wrestling Observer, which I thought I find very interesting, is that apparently when WWE have been negotiating their TV deals with Fox and with USA Network and MSNBC, it's been almost based around the fact that they have Ronda Rousey on a multi-year deal. There's, I, I remember Meltzer told the story about that meeting with Triple H and well, I don't know if Triple H was there, but like George Barry or some Michelle Wilson and the very elite WWE higher-ups and uh, Rupert Murdoch and the people at Fox. In that in that presentation, Ronda Rousey was so prominently featured. Yes. So they know that she's the, the difference maker in these TV deals. Because they haven't built any stars of their own. Um, so they've had to rely on mm. someone to come in and give them a star. Yeah, Roman Reigns doesn't have the same <laughs> appeal of like, oh, well, that's a billion dollars right there. But I haven't said that. Isn't that pretty much the, like, the promo that she had when she came in? They had all the other like WWE going like, like she's such a star. Mm. Like, what a, what an absolute athlete she is coming in, making them all seem like really pants and rubbish. Yeah. And she's just awesome and ooper duper. So like, I, I think this whole thing is interesting. Of course, it could just be Flair just saying what he has heard yes you know miss her mishearing something but according to rick flair she's only signed a year deal because her plan is to have children and she has been very open and honest about wanting to have uh, children and mm. start a family so you know you don't want to leave that too long i suppose but you know who knows who knows what's going on well i i would argue and i totally get that it could just be rick flair mishearing stuff but the reason it coming from rick flair more than anyone else is because he is the dad of Charlotte. Yes. He's very close to Charlotte. Tell that to YouTube comments, mate. You shouldn't trust anything that Flair says. He's a doddering old man, I think, as people put it. He'll know just through passing conversations with Charlotte, like how might maybe these long longer term yeah. plans. Could you, I mean can you imagine Rick Flair and Charlotte, like when they sit down for Sunday dinner, they sit down for their nice roast and they pass across the cranberry sauce together. Do you think Rick Flair is not asking about what her WWE mm. plans are at the moment? Of course not. He's he's a wrestler. he loves wrestling. He likes talking about wrestling. He's he's not just Charlotte's dad either. <laughs> he's very good friends with Triple H. Yes. The guy who runs the company. I think they look at the roast. Charlotte stands between Rick and Rick's wife and goes this is gonna be good <laughs> this, Woo! This, it's gonna be tasty mm. Mm. Um, a bit of extreme rules news uh, the Pittsburgh local advertisements have had Daniel Bryan versus The Miz. God, loose lips, Pittsburgh, isn't it? Like, So the venue itself, which is hosting Extreme Rules, advertised that it was going to be a six-man main event, was it? It was Braun Roman and Bobby Lashley. This was a while ago, yeah. Versus Owen Zane and Jinder. Yes, it was something like that. And, and everyone was like, well, no, that's a Raw TV main event. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about a pay-per-view here. Yeah, well, it's a pay-per-view without Brock Lesnar, so mm. you've got to try and do something, haven't you, I suppose? And um, But they were also advertising The Miz versus um, Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass so that was like the two matches that the venue itself had advertised those were going to be like the big headlining matches for you know for for both brands but now there's a local advertising around Pittsburgh that's ad advertising in fact it's going to be Daniel Bryan versus The Miz 
And while the arena didn't say that Ronda was going to be there, this radio advertisement is saying Ronda's going to be mm. there. Card subject to change. And as we can see, it already has changed from Brian Cass to Brian Miz. Uh, but that, that fills me with hope that this Brian Big Cass feud will climax with a Brian victory again. at Money in the Bank. Again, yeah. So and it's, then all, he it's all he's Miz. done, really, in mm. this feud is stand tall. Which kind of makes which, me think... Which is, which is ironic. Miz isn't winning the briefcase. Well, and he's the one who took the briefcase down on SmackDown Live, which might make you think that he's not winning it mm. either. And lastly, where have Sanity and the Authors of Pain been, Luke? Well, this is a really interesting I one. thought this was fascinating. And it, it's funny as well, because when when Alfred said this, you suddenly like replay and you're like, oh yeah, I do remember those promos. What were those promos mm. all about? Because we even said at the time. So after backlash that was the last pay-per-view wasn't it yes yes after backlash on raw they had this sort of promo segment where you had loads of people talking about how they were going to win money in the bank including breezango Heath mm. Slater and rhino and the ascension and we said at the time was like wow like those are sort of names you don't often think might be in money in the bank that's a bit weird and then it was never mentioned again apparently the reason why is because there were meant to be three money in the bank ladder matches this year the men's women's and a tag team one and that had been rumored by multiple places yes yeah and that's why authors of pain and sanity were both called up after Mm. wrestlemania so they could try and bolster up the tag teams that are going into this money in the bank tag team ladder match now what alvarez has said is that the the timeline that was told to him was that wwe didn't want to announce all three matches on the same night so they announced the men's and the women's shot the promos with Breezango, Ascension, Heath Slater and Rhino with the idea that, hey, we've got six weeks until Money in the Bank. We've got loads of time before we can announce it. And then in, the, in between that, decided, nah, now nah, we're not going to do that anymore. So those promos were actually just forgotten about. We're just ignoring it. And we're just doing the two ladder matches instead. You can have a barbecue segment and um, a battle royal. And you lads can go on the pre-show. Like, that's your tag team for the uh, the show instead. Well, yeah, that's quite a big... Rev- I, I, to me, that really betrays what's happened here, that the SmackDown tag match has just been thrown together in the last couple of weeks with no real build or thought. It's Bludgeon Brothers versus Gallows and Anderson. Gallows and Anderson disappeared from TV for quite a while, yep. around the same time as all this stuff happened. And they're on the pre-show. And Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel versus Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt's the Raw tag match isn't actually on the card. What? Not from from what I understand, it is not on the Money in the Bank. No, card. they've been talking about it though. That was the whole point, wasn't it? To create Let's the say it was number one contenders. I look, I feel like Yep, it's not on the card. Not on WWE's website. Oh, amazing. Mm, so it's only 10 matches. That's where I made the mistake the other right, day. Right, of course. So I just assumed. Yeah, but yeah, they've just, never said it's on Money in the that's Bank. That's very true. They just said they're the number one contenders. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm. Man. And that's just been thrown together. The B team were just a, a thing. They came together on the show we were at. But that could conceivably have been brought together with the idea to build them for a comedy spot in the, the Money in the Bank yeah. tag ladder match. I just want to... You hear about these plans, and me, me and you are the same, mm-hmm. in that we love finding out about the stuff that never made it to air. That's essentially what this channel is based on. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, I, there must be some concept art designs for the tag briefcases. Oh, I bet you there is. Is it two? 
Yeah, is it like is it one big one? No, it'd definitely be two. It'd you have reckon? to be two, yeah. And they run down together to to cash in, and it makes sense. I was like, there's been no tag teams on TV. Like the Usos have been been missing for a long time. And the other thing with Authors of Pain and Sanity, the bar, the bar is another one. Yeah, apparently as well with Authors of Pain, one of them currently has a visa issue, which is why they're not on TV. But they're Brian Alvarez said like that. I've that's what's been reported. I don't know if that's mm. the case. And he said there's also something interesting as well that there may be a legal naming issue with sanity ah uh, yes i've heard that yeah. yes and the same with like when ruby riots came up and they wanted to call them the riot squad and they were like well, well you can't because riot squad is already a trademark term so they just put an extra t on riot oh uh, what are they gonna do to sanity how could they well i guess the the capitalization it's gonna say mm. yeah i thought that's how they could get around it but um so that, that's also a, a possibility as to why sanity haven't debuted and why we haven't heard their names been mentioned for over a month you know what i would do I'd pop an exclamation mark at the end of sanity. Yeah. Sanity! So you have to read it like that. Or, I'd like in Eric Young's crazed voice. Or a terror bang. Like, so it's just nah. like, sanity? sanity? <laughs> no, no. Sanity! That's, yeah. uh, because it's like, that's how you would say insanity. Yes. Yeah, I, I like Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As you hopefully saw in yesterday's Wrestle Talk news episode, we have debuted our first ever crap gimmick roster signing, CGW, 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 which is crap gimmick wrestling, thanks to the very talented Lewis Tillett, who you can follow on Instagram at Lewis Tillett Art. He is going to be transforming, conceptualizing the 
crap gimmick wrestlers that we sign and he has started off with the WrestleBot 1000 gimmick so good which is awesome so like when he sent it across to us the first thing he said was like it looks like a trading card yeah oh and then all, uh, all of a sudden like merchandise like started going off in yeah. my head I'm like let's do trading cards we need more we, yeah <laughs> don't we but uh yeah, it's really cool. We're really, we're really happy with it. Thank you very much, Lewis. He's just a fan of the show. We got in touch. Oh, it's and so good, though. He's made it. Yeah, so we're very happy with His that. His art is wow, it's wonderful. Yeah, we really like it. It's really nice. And I was so... I- told you this i was so happy when i opened up the examples he'd sent of his work and i was like oh thank god i really like them <laughs> because like i've got quite particular tastes when it comes to comic book style drawing mm. and th- this was this was right up my alley so very proud of wrestlebot 1000 he is like the first he's the, he's the top guy at the moment he is i mean do we want to announce who's going to be next or are we uh, no, no, cause we're still, well what like if if no one gets signed today we will we'll do a, another uh, classic. Yeah, so like a, into, the, into, the classic, yeah. into the vault. Not Fishmonger, of course. But let's see who we've got who could potentially be visualised in, in Lewis Tillett's incredible mind. So if you are new to this show, Crap Gimmicks is our little fictional wrestling roster where you send in your crap gimmick suggestions. So we're thinking like the, rest, like the 1990s WWF mode of like, you are a wrestler and a blank. That sort of thing. Or pun-based. We tend to like mm. pun-based things. Or just crazy ideas that wouldn't really work in the WWE or in any wrestling promotion, but would feel right at home amongst other types of crap gimmicks. And if you do want to get in touch with me, if you want to send me your suggestion, it's luke at wrestletalk.com. But please do bear in mind that I, we only get to do about like two or three a week. I currently have a backlog of around 65. Yeah, so, that cupboard's really set you back when you were locked in there. Pretty much, yeah. And also, I pre- there's a guy that always leaves a comment um, for the GOAT, mm. which we've read. It, it, thank you, but it's, it's not one we were going to sign. So, yeah. I mean, thank you for your persistence. Yeah, I just don't think we're going to sign it. Yeah, we do. We do. So if you've posted it more than three times on the YouTube comment section... We've seen it. Yeah, we have. So you don't have to keep doing them after that. Yes. It's like a polite, silent rejection. So anyway, Tom Wolf has got in touch to say hello. The, t- the Tom Wolf. The Tom Wolf. Wow, big fan. Uh, hello, Luke, Ollie, and the Swaff Nation. So he's even saying hello to you guys. Uh, my crack gimmick is the prof wrestler, as in professor plus nice. wrestler. His music starts <laughs> with a loud school bell to announce that class is in session. He dresses like a science teacher and claims that he is here to teach fans and his opponents the true science of pro wrestling. In ring, he's really good scientific mat-based. The commentators can put over his use of leverage, anatomy, and other scientific-sounding words. His fatal flaw is every match he picks one overlooked move to make the subject of his lesson. His, uh, <laughs> before every match, he explains the mechanics behind Say, a DDT, a superkick, a sleeper hold, or any other overused move. He promises to finish the match with said move, giving him a clear target for the match. However, this allows his opponents to scout the move, often leading to his defeat. That's really good. It's very good. It's got a strong visual... Like I like the 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 lab coat. I assume he'd wrestle in. He'll have glasses. Pocket protector. Yeah, and the, the, the elbow pads... On his, I mean, he could even wrestle in a blazer yes. with the elbow pads, yeah, yeah. Like uh, disguised like that. Uh, I just, I like the idea of him educating the audience because that actually really gets the move over. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. like it's, it's actually quite effective in its crapness. And also, perhaps this is going to just be me showing my age. 
Um, but like whenever I think of a science teacher, I always think of overhead projectors, mm. like using that, like like really wheeling old it to school, the ring, wheeling it to the ring, putting on a, like putting on the the clear sheet so you can like show the image. Uh, yeah. But then also using that as a foreign object. So I don't know why. The only thing that jarred with me was anatomy. I when I heard Professor Professor, that's brilliant because it's really bad. That's perfect. <laughs> uh, is yeah, the, I I figured it would be more about angles and gravity, and anatomy feels like another character. Well, it's biology, isn't I it? I know they're all in the same yeah. mix, but I I like the idea of when I plant him down, like that. It's more it's more physics rather than biology in my head. So speed, acceleration mm-hmm. yes. of the DDT going down equals hertz. Like that, yeah. yeah. And but we need to make sure this doesn't turn into Matt Stryker in ECW mm. because that was awful. Or um. Mike Knox or Dean Douglas Mike Knox used to have because he used to talk about physically picking apart the anatomy of his opponent Mm. it's really good promo used to really like Mike Knox so do we want to sign a well should should we decide at the end okay after we've done all the and then we can make it a bigger deal do you want to hear a great name from uh, one of our emailers uh, hit me up John Sexton I talk about a great like he should be in a rock band Mm. like from the 1970s um, he has suggested Western Canadian Millennial Lacrosse Player. Um, it's not an anagram or anything, but I'm, I'm, I think that's hit the character's name. Western Canadian yeah, millennial, millennial Lacrosse, lacrosse player. player. Now, I will say, I feel like this email or this suggestion is because John Sexton hates quote-unquote millennials. However, his description of them is not actually a millennial. But like, we'll come on to that. Okay. So... Um, build from some wacky city like Eyebrow Saskatchewan or Flin Flon Manitoba. He is a young lacrosse player with a terrible millennial first name that is nonetheless infuriatingly misspelled, such as Logan with an E rather than an, uh, an, uh, an A, I suppose, Logan. Yep. yep. Um, Trentin with a, a Y uh, or Ian rather than I-A-N, E-E-A-N. See, that's my first issue, I will say. E-A-N. It's in it's the in game. game. EA Sports, they're all the same. He comes to the ring in lacrosse <laughs> gear, including the stick which he uses in no DQ matches. He no-sells chops because, quote, I've been hit harder, I play lacrosse. His finish is the sharpshooter because his father bought it from the Hart family for him. Speaking of his father, he gets random title shots because, quote, my father is a very powerful man, and if he loses, he will throw a fit, pout, and then warn his opponents of incurring his father's wrath. So once again, I feel like this is a character that's not really like it's not gelling together mm. it just yeah. feels like you hate preppy kids i guess is that it well i is don't that... know because then like i feel like a prep kid like who is a lacrosse player that doesn't tie into a millennial yeah yeah also millennials don't have wacky misspelled names because we're millennials and our names are spelt as mm. quote-unquote they usually should be you're thinking of um the the, the, like the, ge- the generation after us uh this is a uh yeah, it, it just doesn't. That there's no, there's not much consistency here. This to me is a, is a spoiled rich kid yes. thing. But uh, I don't. Plus, like, I'm not a fan of. You've given us that there's. He hasn't got a name. Like it's it's up to us to come up with the name. Well, he's you, the West Canadian millennial lacrosse well, player. So he's got a. He's infuriatingly misspelled names such as Logan. Oh, which, yeah, yeah. Like he, you should just say his name is this, which is stupidly misspelled for some reason. Mm-hmm. So like we shouldn't have to do any work here. This has got to be a fully formed pitch. And yeah, I did, so there's the the consistency isn't isn't really. You've got some consistency. I the one from that, yeah. lacrosse gear downwards. 
with the rich dad. But then, like, the rich dad and lacrosse. I, yeah, yeah, sorry. Is, is it only rich kids that play lacrosse? Maybe. Uh, they play lacrosse in American Pie. I was about to say, that's my only mm. like go-to of lacrosse is American Pie because Oz plays it. Mick Foley used to play a lot of lacrosse. Really? Yeah, I, I know from in his book. Hmm. He talks about it a lot. He wasn't rich. But, but I'm very bad when I read autobiographies because I tend to skip all those parts until they get to the wrestling bits. Luke. I know, that's right? The, that's the rags to riches story. Yeah. So we're going to have to... Oh, we reveal at the end. <laughs> I mean, you can. I mean, whoa, it's a. It. I don't know where it's going to go just yet, though. Uh, and then our last one is coming from Tessa. This is a tag team. The Marathons mm. are a tag team of two guys who are a medium build, one with sandy blonde hair, the other with dark hair. And she's written updos, um, which I'm guessing is like man buns, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Like a, like a top knot. Yeah, like a top knot. Right. Yes. Um, they come out wearing tracksuits with lines on the side, tennis shoes, and white undershirts, mm. similar to the Spirit Squad. Their entrance song is the Eye of the Tiger. They run down the ramp to break a finish line ribbon and Ooh. give a jumping celebration to fans, in quotes, waving flags as if they've actually won a marathon. <laughs> on the Tron, it has a race countdown on your marks. Uh, on your marks, get ready, set, go. Uh, their finisher is the 5K, which is basically a running suplex. Their promos are uh, are lines that end with their names, such as, because we're the best and we go all night long, the marathons. Backstage segments of them, uh, one of them blowing a white whistle while the other runs laps around the backstage area. When they are interviewed, they cut short by saying, it's marathon time and run off. So that's the marathons. I think there's some good in there. That's, that's also good. Because that's got a lot of pun intended mileage because you, you run through they, they don't have to just run through that finish line thing that they can break when yeah. they come down to the ring but they could run round a bit to get away from people round the ring they can also stop and get fans to give them bottles of water yes like that and they yeah. go oh I've done yeah, Do you know what? I, Stre- I, a lot of stretching before they get into the ring. Yeah, I mean, I think that basically, like from your backstage stuff, I don't think it overly works. But all the stuff previously, I, th- I really like. My my change would be not to use the eye of the tiger though. It'd be used that dun 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 dun. The the, uh, the Olympic oh, music. That you mean the chariots chariots, chariots of fire? Of fire yes. Yeah. Um, and like almost like doing slow motion running, mm. like while the music is uh, as they come into the good. ring. Uh, I so I really like that. But I, I feel like you need to go back and properly develop that into into something better. Uh, but the, there's promise there. I yes. really do like that. So I guess that means... If we are going to sign one person from this week's uh, inductions, and that is Prof Wrestler. Congratulations, Tom Wolf. Uh, we look forward to doing business with you. And if you want to send something into the mailbag, you must first become a pledge hammer by donating to us on Patreon or pledging to us on Patreon, whichever way you want to phrase it. And then you can leave a comment there in our wicked community that we've got or send me an email. And let me know that you are a pledge hammer. And I do check. So don't try and don't think you can just trick me and get one over on old Luke over here. Our first comes in from Buttered Toast. Buttered Toast. <laughs> Was interested in what your favorite Rock the Dwayne Johnson movie is. I really like the new Jumanji. As did I. I thought the new Jumanji was awesome, actually. Still haven't seen it. It's so good. Yeah, I, I really want to. I gave it five Karen Gillan midriffs out of five. Ooh. It was, it was just a great movie. Jack Black is so funny in it. How dare you objectify <laughs> a objectified character, Pur- which wasn't really objectification. No. Yes, it was actually a meta joke. It's purposely, yes. It's very clever. It's really clever, actually, that film. Uh, I So... Really good question, and we we've actually opened up I Dwayne Johnson's IMDb page. It's took, still took loading. While, took a while to load. Yep. <laughs> it's still loading because he's 
He's attached to everything. Uh, so this could all change in a few weeks' time once Skyscraper's out. Well, I was, cause I went oh to, my God. <laughs> I went to go see um, Jurassic World last night, and that trailer played before it. And hot damn. I mean, I, I turned to my wife, and I was like, it's Die Hard in a building. Yeah, we we a bigger building. But a bigger building. And you're like, ah, oh, it's not different enough. What else can we do? Dwayne Johnson hasn't got one leg. <laughs> so he's a he's a uh, an amputee with a, a little stick leg thing. Yes. And he run there's a there's a great bit in the trailer where he runs off the top of a crane and he jumps. Oh, it looks glorious. It's so funny as well because remember that they released the poster for it and like it's just like it's that image of the rock jumping off this crane to go into the building and everyone points out was like, "Well, based on his trajectory, he is missing this. Like there is absolutely no way he's making that jump." It's the end of the movie. It's <laughs> Um, but yeah, like so, I think that actually looks like a hell of a lot of fun. My mm. wife is so excited; she yeah. cannot wait to go and see that. Uh, so I've run down a few. Uh, I've got some runners up because I love the Rock's screen presence. I always have done from his uh, Welcome to the Jungle days. Well, Not- I was going to say. I mean, you and I are of an age that when the Rock first announced he was going into movies, like I went to the Mummy Returns because the Rock was in it. Yeah. Oh well. I- I was really excited for The Mummy Returns. The Mummy was my favourite film up until that point, oh, I yeah. think. Yeah. Not Godzilla 1998. <laughs> That's up there. Second. Second. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I've got the Scorpion King rush to see that as well. Mm-hmm. And it was it was around the time where I didn't have critical capabilities. So I was just like, yeah. 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 I watched the movie. I'm happy. Uh, but... Uh, Southland Tales doesn't really get talked about a lot. Uh, for good reason as well, because it's not a very good film. Incorrect. It is uh, <laughs> It is a complicated film. It is a very mixed bag because some bits make you want to leave because it's so asinine. It's so rubbish. But when it gets good, you're like, oh my God, this is really good. And then it gets really bad again. And it's like he does that about five times. It peaks and troughs. Remember all that Kevin Smith stuff? Like where it's really old Kevin Smith? Remember that's like right at the end of the film where they discover and Kevin Smith's like in really like old makeup and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that rings a bell because this was uh, oh I've forgotten the name. It's Richard something. Richard, I know I should know this because I wrote my uh, A level media paper on Donnie on Dark. Donnie Dark, okay. I bet you did. Uh, so this is the, everyone did at that time. Uh, well, it was the the guy who directed Donnie Darko. His huge hit and everyone like critical darling. His next film is going to be this really complicated Southland Tales epic. And he could work with anyone. And at the time, I thought, wow, he could work with anyone. And he chose Jessica Simpson, Sean William Scott, and The Rock. And Kevin Smith. What a guy. Like he did, But now, you know, it's probably because a lot of people passed on the script. And that's where those people were in their careers, yeah. where they were like the fourth or fifths. But I, Rock's really good in it. He's this bit. Justin Timberlake's really good in it as well. Well, I, I'd actually say that The Rock, despite the fact that he has picked some absolute clunkers in his career, some of the films that he has done, like we were going through the IMDb, we were like, oh, that's bad. Oh, that mm. one's bad as well. That one's bad. But he's usually very, very good. Yeah. Like, Tooth Fairy, not a good film. The Rock, however, very good in it. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I, so South and Tales is just like a passing mention. Um, far, now, Pain and Gain, I also really enjoyed. I get the argument that it doesn't understand how to be self-reflexive. And it's kind of right. I mean, it's a Michael Bay film. Yeah. But it's a Michael Bay film poking fun at the idea of being really big and muscly and objectifying women. But also does those things. Yes. 
unselfconsciously. I would say though, it does cast ah, uh, what's her name from Pitch Perfect, Fat Amy. Oh yeah, um, Rebel Wilson. Rebel Wilson. They cast her in the film, but at no point do they like we've cast Rebel Wilson because oh, she's a bit larger than your average film star, and that's why we've cast her. Isn't that funny? It's like it felt like that character could have been written for anyone, but they just wanted to work with Rebel Wilson. Well, they isn't Anthony Johnson's character in it. Oh, no, sorry, Anthony McKay's character. Anthony Mackie, you mean? Anthony Mackie got there eventually. (laughs) Adam McKay. He really likes the larger blonde lady. I thought that was part of the joke. That's why. I'll be honest, I've got got to stop you there. I didn't finish watching it because I did find the film unwatchable. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought it was a bit of fun. Uh, However... And one more honourable mention to Fast and Furious 5, which really is the best Fast and Furious movie. That's when The Rock debuts uh, as Luke Hobbs, and that's the the big heist movie in Brazil. Really great, genuine movie. However, for me, Fast and Furious 6 cannot be touched. Is that the one you went to the press screening for? Oh, and I got and drunk you, you on the free booze. such a good time. Everyone did. Everyone was loaded on the Budweiser's, the Steve Weiser's that they were handing out willy-nilly. And I was high-fiving people next to me. <laughs> people I'd, I'd never met. I went alone. Oh, yeah. oh dear me. And then, yeah, when the Stath turns up at the end. So I'm going to say Fast and Furious 6. Sorry, that was a very, very long answer. What about you? Uh, well, actually, I'm going to go... I'm going early because I really like Walking Tall. Um, and I'm a big, big fan of that movie. And like at that time as well, I was a huge fan of wrestling. I was a huge fan of Jackass. So The Rock and Johnny Knoxville coming together on screen. I was like, finally, at the same time. Like, it was my, two of my favourite things coming together. Finally? Like, exactly, finally. <laughs> I've been waiting for this for a good six months now. Um, so it was like, I, I love... I really enjoyed it. It's a really good remake as well. Um, so I, I think I'd probably go with Walking Tall, which is quite early in his career. But, you know... Jumanji, I thought, was absolutely awesome. It was really, really good. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I really suppose I should give a shout-out to uh, Rampage by my book because it's about video game movies. But like, what I will say about The Rock, what I really like about The Rock as, as an actor and his presence in Hollywood is that he has become just like this this figure that can walk into any studio and be like, that's the film I'm making. And they go, okay, and just hand over a load of money to him. Rampage was struggling to get out of the gate, just could not get made whatsoever until The Rock came in and was like, yeah, I want to do this film next. And they were like, okay. And then he was just like, yeah, and I'm going to bring in my uh, the director I work with on San Andreas. I'm going to bring in these writers that I've worked with before. And we're going to make this film happen. You know, ten months later, the film's there. And you're like, cool. Yep, he made it happen. The Rock gets stuff done through pure willpower. It's him and Wonder Woman about the only things in the DCEU that seem to be a certain. Mm. It's, he is playing Black Adam and Wonder Woman is getting its sequel. Yeah, he's playing Black Adam whether you like it or not <laughs> yeah. and he's getting two movies. Yeah, it's because he's got that seven pro- bucks uh, production studio house. Yes. And like like on this IMDb page, it really shows what you say and is right because there are so many things announced, announced, pre-production, announced, pre-production. And I was going to say, IMD- filming. IMDb as well, because it's like because it's a fan-controlled thing. Um, studios can do their stuff, but it is mostly just fan-controlled. Uh, IMDb Pro, which is where studios and sort of like and agents and stuff use, the list is even bigger. It's like three times wow. as long because he's just working on so many different projects. Like on here, I have not heard that before. 
Rock as big in big trouble in Little China. Yeah, see, make. that's been rumored for some uh, for for some while That'll now. Be fun. Okay, next question. Next question. Where are oh, we? You've opened up the wrong document. Come on, mate. Uh, from Asaya Webb. Uh, hi, Luke. I recently got some feedback from some friends who stopped watching wrestling, and their reason is because they feel current wrestlers aren't relatable like old ones. The Rock, Batista, John Cena, Jeff Hardy, Reg Mysterio, Randy Orton, The Undertaker, Goldberg, etc. I personally disagree. For me, I relate to Johnny Gargano, Daniel Bryan, and Becky Lynch for being underdogs who overcome, TJ Perkins, Xavier Woods, and Kenny Omega for being avid gamers, and Braun Strowman for being the guy who just obliterates everyone and everything. Their current roster is more than an... Uh, the current roster is more than enough to create a new special era, but do you think people lose interest because of WWE's inability to create new stars to replace the past ones? Or do people not want to get give this new breed of talent, who are mostly independent guys, a chance? Now, what's interesting as well about that list you gave there, that was quite like The Rock, Batista, John Cena, that went, and like The mm. Undertaker, Goldberg, that went from like late <laughs> 90s into that sort of 2006 era. Yeah, I would never put John Cena and Jeff Hardy in the same bracket sorry John Cena and Randy Orton in that same bracket as all those other guys I thought you said as each other like yeah. I was say, mate, uh, they had never a- again <laughs> uh, it's, I, so I don't know if you maybe the wording's wrong because I wouldn't say relatable about any of those people like I wouldn't say I relate to The Rock no I wouldn't say I relate to Braun Strowman these days I don't think you do either I don't think Anyone on the planet relates to Braun Strowman because the whole point of him is that he's this unrelatable monster who's just cool, and you buy into him for that reason. Yeah, I uh, and and I, but maybe there is an argument there that a lot of the guys are being portrayed as ordinary guys in the Daniel Bryan mode, the Johnny Gargano mode, that there isn't that extra level rock star quality about them, which is why uh, the the fans. A, 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 more mainstream fans at least casual fans are losing interest uh, because it's definitely WWE's fault for the majority that they're not pushing guys like stars like they used to in the Attitude Era um, but or, or the wrong people as stars like with Roman Reigns but it is kind of on the talent as well to some extent in that their personalities when you are just a guy but you're just a really good guy in the ring I guess doesn't doesn't hook in the casual viewers as much. Daniel Bryan would be the exception to that rule. Uh, Finn Balor is, I think, is a really interesting one because Finn Balor is a lad on the roster who just feels like a lad. He's just a guy that's on the roster. And it's easy to forget he has got that demon like persona mm. that he used to do like only for takeover shows. They haven't done it for so long because they made the idiotic decision to say it's a separate character that he doesn't feel special now but mm. when he had like when he used to do the face paint he felt special and unique now he just feels just a guy and that's that that's on wwe for doing things like that you had a guy that you could have look how special and awesome this guy is but yeah i mean people like the rock um you know uh, randy on the Undertaker. i feel like those some some guys they're just they're lightning in a bottle and it's hard to then find those guys again mm. yeah it's 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 not that they're not relatable. It's that they're. It's almost the opposite that they're not big enough. Yes, they don't. They don't, they don't feel like big enough deals. Uh, we have got two more questions here. An odd one from Matt Noble. In order of best to worst, rank these: TNA in its heyday, New Japan in its heyday, Ring of Honor in its heyday. Now, what I 
find odd about this question is those so specific. Those, well, those are, I don't think those are specific. Like, what would you say? Like, what's New Japan's heyday? Like, surely New Japan's heyday is now. Yeah, I guess there's an argument for like we don't know enough about history to go to the uh, Antonio Inoki days, days yeah. uh, or, or anything because they were drawing a lot more money back then than they were now. Is is that their heyday? So we're we're going to do our definitions of the heyday from our limited fan perspective, which is so New Japan is now uh, or the last two years, I suppose. ROH would have been late noughties when you've got Brian McGinn, well, Danielson McGuinness. Mm-hmm. Punk actually left quite early, but Aries, Joe. Joe. Oh, no, Joe had gone to TNA by that point, mm. I suppose, because Joe had gone to TNA by 2006, I want to say. 2005, yeah, yeah. maybe. So maybe the actual heyday of ROH is two, four to Just four to say six. a bit earlier than that. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Okay. And see, but I've only watched that in retrospect. And that's when you got Punk and Raven as mm. well, which was great. But Steen and Generico come in late, and Jerry Lynn was back then. Yep. Uh, and Impact TNA. I <laughs> uh, I I mean, I guess that would be 06 to 08. Or oh, I'd have said 04 to. Oh, actually, no, even 04, because that's still when you had like Jarrett as champion and like Nash were no showing shows yeah. and Waltman no showing things as well. So yeah, maybe you want to go like 2005, maybe, which is when they start focusing things around. AJ Daniels and Joe yeah, that's like, for your X Division to, stuff to the Kurt Angle Samoa Joe yes so yeah, yeah, 05 yeah. to 08 I'll, I'll say 09 but yes okay. I, that's what you're saying yeah cool so uh, in that very arbitrary <sighs> answer to your question me personally I would go New Japan top Ring of Honor then Impact at the bottom yeah, it's tough as well because, like, I, I would, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I loved that TNA era so much that yeah. I do want to place a higher. But then I'm like, oh man, but that Punk Raven feud was just like it was absolute gold. Mm. I, I'm, I'm just going to say because it's arbitrary, I agree. No, in fact, because it's so arbitrary, I'm going to disagree and I'm going to put TNA above uh, Ring of Honor. Outrageous, outrageous. Uh, Mason has got our final question. I'd like to start by thanking the whole Wrestle Talk team, even El Fakador, I guess. So trustworthy. So trustworthy. After racking my brain for a mailbag question, I think I have what I like. Now the premise is that Luke and Ollie, you have decided to take each other on in a drunken trivia. Uh, trivia action I like Dr- drunken trivia action you're going to head to head in a pub quiz and you now must build your team which wrestlers do you use and why the catch here of course is that they all have to be in character I hope you have fun with this question and of course I'm looking forward to seeing what my fellow pledge hammers have to say about it I love this question I love this question you know how we said the previous question was specific this is this is even more so in a different kind of way. It's a great question. It's a hard one to answer. No, have you got any one? So, well, how many people are we gonna? Are we gonna have three wrestlers each to make teams of four? Yes, included? I think I think that's fair. And I I would like a team of four for a pub quiz. That's the other question. This do pub quizzes travel um, overseas? Is it an America? Do Americans have pub quizzes? Mm. I know they don't have them over in Sweden because my brother essentially introduced them to his university town and made a business off of it nice. because they he created. Well, I mean, what is his name? Um, his name's English Pub Quiz. And then I was like, oh, wow, an English Pub Quiz. How quaint. Someone get on that license in for the States if you haven't got it already. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, you go first. Who's going to be kayfabe? Oh, man, 100%. The first one, uh, Xavier Woods. And he has a thought about he this. has a PhD. He's probably like, he's probably so much, so smart. He's 100% going on my team. Who is, who is really, because I, I always think Kevin Owens is very smart. Mm. 
but something is that about... because he can speak a second language yeah <laughs> it just but and and generico there's like a great daniel bryan of course daniel yeah, bryan's very smart guy great shout Oh, they've got to be in character as well. That's the other thing. Like you said, your Woods mm. is fine for him to be in character because you can just talk. I mean, you can talk about video games with him. Anyway, past and present. You want to go past and present? Yeah, yeah. All, all, all. Uh... Is it just WWE? They could be any wrestlers. God, this is tough. We probably really should have thought about this ahead of time, so we could. I have... don't think that would have helped. <laughs> Um, I am going to bring across just because I think they would be because the thing with pub quizzes as well it's not all about the winning it's about having fun with a pub mm. quiz like it's just it's getting together having a laugh being like oh do you know this oh I think I know this like it's being it's annoying to be on a pub quiz team where everyone just knows the answers it's good to be able to argue with people about what the potential answers could be like because you're so adamant that it's something well I just want to win so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and make the best combination team of agreeable fellows who are smart <laughs> What's so? Who's your second? I am going with Becky Lynch because I think going to a pub quiz with Becky Lynch would be such a laugh. Just get the shots in. I bet you she would. Yeah. That's not. That's not a slander against the Irish. Absolutely she not. She just seems like fun. She seems like a lot of fun. Oh, to be in a pub this quiz. is tough though. I'm trying to think of gimmicks. And while you're thinking this, smart. I'm going to try and think of who my third is. There might just be some dead air on, on <laughs> the, the show for a moment. Hmm. I mean, I've already said Mike Knox, <laughs> David Atunga. Oh, I suppose yeah, he's got he's got that law degree, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, David. Atunga. But he would be so boring, though. Hey, that's what I want. <laughs> I just want us to to democratically decide on answers while you're being all rowdy over there and losing. <laughs> what was your uh, pub quiz name? Uh, Gary Lineker's Left Wing Thought Police. <laughs> Such a. G- <laughs> Which Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen once read out because we went to his pub and he such did a, a pub good quiz. Name. It was like uh, G- Gary Lineker's Left Wing. Or police. <laughs> oh, Gandalf, Magneto, because I had no idea yeah. what he was saying. And then you can hear someone, like, just off the microphone go, is that a, is that a name? Because <laughs> everyone else was Hobbit puns and, yeah. and uh, yeah, X-Men puns. Or, like, the Spanish Inquisition, which a yeah. lot of people tend to go you with. You shall not quiz. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a really good one, actually, which I really liked. Um, any, any team name that has the word quiz in has been done to death One, oh yeah it's been totally done like Quizakabusi let, let's get quizzical like mm. that's that's been I've heard that several times Schindler's Quiz that's good that's yeah. my one I wasn't <laughs> allowed to do that one <laughs> right I've got to think of a third person yes. we're well off topic here we've still got our Money in the Bank predictions do to record as well no I'm going to think of one I'm going to think of one I'm trying to think of who I'm going to have fun with in a pub uh, on a pub quiz team and that person is going to be um, oh man! I mean, if you get... oh no, he'd be too rowdy. I was going to say Montez Ford, but he'd be far too rowdy mm. in a pub quiz. You wouldn't be able to like set him down and be like, "No, mate, we're like, we're also trying to do a quiz here." So I'm going to say Ember Moon because at least then we get the Dungeons and Dragons D&D going. stuff. Yeah, there might be some questions based around that, that which we might be able to. What pub <laughs> quiz are you going to? My You've pub picked quiz. a video game specialist guy, a Dungeons and Dragons specialist. <laughs> Why do you need those two there Hang if on, you're there? I picked a, I picked a guy. With, I suppose I picked a guy with a PhD as well. I mean, I've got it. Xavier Woods. Oh, I've got it. Yeah, JBL. Oh, great! Sh- oh no, he'd be oh, I'd cover sports. He'd be, oh, okay. He would cover sports. Damn, I didn't think of a sports person. That's a now good you've idea. done your. I've, I've done it now. I've, I've done got. Ah, oh, we are trashing you guys. Sports, though. 
We're not just going to beat you. JBL is going to give you all wedges afterwards <laughs> and pour your beers down your necks. It really is. You think you can beat us? We've well got this in the head. And he's going to he's gonna take a shine to me and I'm going to be his bullying buddy. We're going to walk around. I'm going to stand on people and he's going to finish the fight. It's going to be great. Wonderful email here from Jaron Walker. By the way, I do think that JBL would be awful to go for drinks with. I'm sure he's a. I'm, I was about to say I'm sure he's a nice chap, but I'm not sure he is. But he would just be like, I just feel like he'd be awful to go for drinks with. That's where we're different here. You've tried to orchestrate a nice night out with your friends. I'm in it to win it. I don't care if he's going to be, but he'd be yelling at all of us. Atunga is going to get an earful oh, if he gets God. a question wrong. David Atunga is going to... Yeah, him and Atunga on the same team. He's going to be bullying him out the wazoo. Anyway, we've got a nice email here from Jaron Walker. Check this out for a subject line. I got a girlfriend because of Wrestle Ramble. What? Right. Check this out. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not going to end up in a blow-up doll thing or a... No, it's, <laughs> no this, is like, this is not one where you're being catfished. Good. First of all, thanks guys, because without you, I may still be single to this day. I want to let you guys know about a situation from two weeks ago that led to me killing off my single life. A little while ago, I was walking around my college campus when I saw a girl with a Bullet Club t-shirt. She's actually really attractive, which shocked me because she's wearing a Bullet Club (laughs) t-shirt. That that really tickled me. I didn't have the courage to talk to her at first. <laughs> I mean, stereotypes are there for a reason. We, we all we all know. We didn't have to explain this. Oh, I know. I know. I didn't have the courage to talk to her at first, but one day I saw her eating alone in the cafeteria, so I decided to say hi. Luckily, she was wearing another wrestling t-shirt. It was the Seth Rollins t-shirt with the big yellow SRs on the front, so I was able to sneak in the fact that I was also a wrestling fan. Her eyes seemed to light up, and she allowed me to sit with her. We got into a debate about the current product, which promotion is more fun to watch, and who is the best current wrestler. He doesn't go into detail about who she thinks and who he thinks. Uh, she took out her phone and she showed me screen caps of when uh, of her when she was displayed on TV on the hard camera side of an episode of Raw. She asked me if I had any appearances on wrestling shows and I had totally forgotten about the time I had been displayed. I showed her an episode of Ride Along on the network where AJ Styles um, with AJ Styles and Bobby Roode, where in the episode they showed a two-second clip of me freaking out over AJ's debut from my YouTube page, which she popped for. And then I remembered that you guys got a kick out of the fake... Bobby Lashley agony email I sent you a while back. I showed it to her, proceeding it by, these guys have over 500,000 subscribers and they read out something funny that I wrote them. She thought it was the coolest thing, cooler than me being on the bloody WWE network for some reason. She asked for my social medias and my numbers. Shows you how old this kid is as well. The the first thing she asked for, what's your socials? That makes me feel... Just a little bit sad. Yeah. Uh, after about a week and a half of texting back and forth, probably DMing as well, I asked for her on. I asked her out on a date for this Saturday. She said yes. So thanks, guys. I'll let you know how it goes. <coughs> That's very nice. That's great. Uh, in my experience, that does not that does not mean you're not single right now. Well, yeah. Like- I just I'm just worried that you're because this is we're masters of the agony arts and i can see some potential agony (laughs) on the horizon and we might be to blame for that yes if you know is it death this is and this is from this is life lessons from ollie 
Is it definitely a date? The best way to do this is to submit a contract to her. And, you know, this is a date. It's a romantic date. If things go well, this we will hopefully become romantically involved. What you don't want to do is a friend zone situation. Can I tell you possibly the most embarrassing story I might ever reveal on any show in the history of this, uh, of, of any shows, really? And I will allow you to make a fool of yourself, yes. And it's even more embarrassing than the story that I told you on that, that nice wedding video we did for that couple. Go uh, ahead. All right, so, and it's, it's a short story. You'll be thankful to know. I uh, started seeing a, uh, a lovely young lady. She was a friend of mine, um, a friend of mine's wife's sister. So, um, actually, the same couple I was telling you about on that video. So, and she was like, she was really cool and she was quite trendy, and I'm obviously not, but it was kind of nice. And we, you know, we hung out a couple of times. She was into me, and I was like, oh, yeah, this, this, is, this is awesome. So, we started hanging out a bit. And then we were like, yeah, let's, let's try and give this dating thing a go. <laughs> and then I was so excited because I'm like, I hadn't been in a relationship for a while. I like, and I was like, this, this is cool. I really like this girl. And I made her my manager in my um, e-federation that I was a part of. Mm. And and, um, she found out about that and then thought it was a bit weird and a bit creepy. And then she broke up with me. Oh, my God. How old were you? I'm trying to think. I mean, I was out of university, so I was old old enough to know better. But I was still part of like an online wrestling federation thing where you essentially you get booked into matches and then you have to write up how the match goes. Um, I, and I was like, I was in line for a championship shot, and I introduced her as my new manager, and uh, yeah, she thought it was a bit weird. Oh, I gotta be honest, mate, that is a bit weird. It is a bit, yeah. Looking back at it now, I'm not sure why I did that. Totally weird. Well, I think you know, you, it's easy to confuse, especially in those days, how exactly private stuff is. Yeah, so you're just doing a, a game online. After that, well, after she broke up with me, um, you were allowed to like write promos um, to to put into the show, like uh, on this sort of forum thing. And I wrote this promo about how she uh, had left me, left me. We didn't really, really together. Uh, no one commented. It was uh, just sort of most mostly ignored. Just, just left us. Yeah, just, just like left, a, just left to sit like a like a horrible fart that no one wants. It's a big plop in the middle of the room. Pretty much, yeah. I've I completely blocked out that wow. uh, that that moment of my life. It just came back to me then when you were talking about like, hey, don't get yourself too like you know too excited. And I suddenly thought, I was like, have I? Oh, I have done that, and it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, Sharon is caring, though. We're, we're very honest with you, SWAF Nation, and we do it with the best intentions. We certainly so, do. Uh, so that was Jared. 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 Jar- uh, Jaren, Jaren Walker. Yeah, Jaren Walker. And also, thank you to Adam Emond, who sent in not one, not two, but three emails about John Mayer. But saying what exactly? Uh, well, I'll read you the first one. Um, uh, John May is act- is generally a pop solo act, but is quite an accomplished guitar player. He also plays with the remaining Grateful Dead folk in a group called Dead & Company. He was in a Chappelle show skit where he played guitar back in the day. My wife is a big fan. She'll be happy to know that I emailed into a wrestling podcast to evangelize uh, about John Mayer. The second email um, is about John Mayer released a new video recently. Um, and then a third one is, says, sorry to keep emailing you about John Mayer, but there's an interesting feud going on between him and internet personality and wrestling fan Hot Dad. So, right. There you go. But um, if you remember yesterday, we got an email in from Paul Zenz. I say mm. yesterday. Um, you're actually going to hear this two days afterwards. So on Wednesday's show, we got an email in from Paul Zenz. It's confusing. Yes. 
So here on Saturday's show, we've got another email from Paul Stens. Hello to you, Luke and Ollie. How the devil are you both? Thank you so much for indulging me by reading my poem. It really did make me feel part of the Podswat family. Yes, the poem was about wrestling, but more from the YouTube side as opposed to the sports entertainment side. You see, I get the feeling there is a monster in the closet at WrestleTalk Tower. I don't know, maybe my imagination. Ollie said he liked war poems, so I wrote one inspired by Luke's very own POW story. I called it the ballad of naked terror dot 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 of imprisonment so we've got another poem for you in a day yeah blimey imprisoned by bonds of my own design held captive from my wife a prisoner of war too close to home in the cupboard of my life this face that haunts my waking hours the musk that walks my dreams it is is it post-traumatic stress that tears me at the seams the smile i wear is my mask the steps i take are fear because no matter how far i run i know my capture is near thank you again and i uh, thank you again thank you for all you do uh what is wrong with me it's near the end of the day (laughs) again thank you for all you do truly the most consistent strife for true excellence in wrestling news in podcasts and in life love you both bye that's from Paul Zenz wonderfully read thank you that really like the the poem was at least Uh, that's remarkable that you got that together in less than 24 hours took me a week to write my poem Uh, but I, I mean I just don't understand the bit at the end about him still being near yeah no I'm not, I'm not sure I keep we, it on. quite he certainly got rid definitely of definitely 100% gone um, have you got any update from your creative writing class yeah so it was the penultimate one last night and I'd pitched to the gang <gasps> through through the teacher that maybe we should keep hanging out did he single you out when he said yeah it? he did <laughs> and he also gave nobody a chance to kind of say no because he just said, oh, so uh, if anyone's got any problems, I'm going to share all your email addresses so you can, so we can all like carry this on and, and maybe get a room behind the pub to carry this on every week. Uh, if, if nobody wants their email address, just say now. Oh, that's, oh, that's tough. And I nearly oh, just... get me. Yeah, me, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to see any of you again. Well, I'm right there, like looking at everyone <laughs> thinking, oh, is this a bad idea? Luckily, oh, at mate. least two people were like, oh, that's a really good idea. So they were into it, but uh, then I asked someone else afterwards because we walk home together. And she went, maybe. It <laughs> <laughs> killed me a bit. Uh, but I was ha- like, I so I read my, my monologue, which was hard to do. And you said to me yesterday, because you actually took a little bit out of your working day to write mm. this. This uh, I didn't say anything at the time, but you took a bit out of your working day to, to write this. And then you suddenly went, Oh, S words. Yeah. I've, d- I've done the wrong thing. Yeah, so, but it turns out that everyone did the wrong thing. Oh, that's okay. Well, it's just it's poor a, instructions. Which, then. in a way, everyone does the right thing. That's the better way of looking at it. They just, uh, mm-hmm. the it's it's a flexible class. Nice. Um, but I, I took the monologue as I've got to write something from my character in my character's voice. So I was, I was really, really struggling to get how they would speak down. Uh, but everyone else just wrote it prose. Like... <laughs> And then I did this, and then I did, like a like a book. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So I yeah. But I so I wasn't very happy with it. It was definitely the worst thing I've done for the class so far. Oh, but mate. It was. It went down really well. Well, that's the main so just, thing. I yeah. Think I said it really quickly. Oh yeah, you want to try and speed through it? Uh well, I you know I've, I'm quite experienced in reading scripts. Yeah. So I, I and nobody else was. So I I thought I knocked out the park in delivery, <laughs> <didn't I? laughs> which kind of uh, you know it's sort of covered for for some lacking qualities in there. <laughs> 
Anyway, do you want to read some iTunes reviews and then we'll get the heckins on Addy? Oh, that means I have to search for the iTunes reviews. Have you not done that? No, I haven't even opened up the program. Oh, well, don't worry about it. We're 22 minutes in and we've got Money in the Bank predictions to do, which should already, already be live. Uh, go and oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it'll actually been released before. We're actually going to record uh, this now, but you'll have already heard it. Yeah, theory. time travel and uh, yeah, Money in the Bank tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow with our NXT Takeover Chicago review. I'm really looking forward to this show as usual, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm looking forward to Money in the Bank as well. Yeah, I think it's going to be good fun. We will see you tomorrow. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.